You're listening to Testimonies of Truth. On this episode, we interview Gavin Cox, who is a speaker and writer for Creation Ministries International. We talk with Gavin about his research in ancient Egypt, how archaeology and history supports the Bible, why the creation story in the Bible is so important, and how Gavin's work and the work of Creation Ministries is important for evangelism and mission work. Uh, Gavin, thank you uh, a heap for coming on the podcast. Um, we really appreciate your time to, to be on the show, and it's going to be great to chat to you about some of the work you've done about archaeology in relation to, to Christianity. So I guess just to, just to start with, can you tell us um, a bit about what your life looks like at the moment and what your role is with Creation Ministries International? Sure. Well, I'm a speaker writer, so that means uh, when uh, COVID allows, we uh, allow we get out and speak in churches. Obviously, uh, this year has looked very different because of the pandemic. But uh, normally, we'd be uh, going out to different churches up and down the country, giving creation presentations. So we, we get invited by denominations and churches to give presentations on uh, creation evolution issues and basically why it's relevant to the church, why this whole creation issue is, is important to the gospel. So uh, that's, that's basically the heart of our presentations is, yeah, we do, we do present the science, of course. Uh, you know, we talk about paleontology and fossils and geology and, and the flood and uh, genetics and all sorts of exciting things like that, but we we always come back to the Bible. Why it's important as, as Christians that we believe the Bible and, uh, it's to do with biblical authority and, and what Jesus said about uh, Earth history as well. So uh, I also write a lot for uh, Creation.com. So um, Creation.com is our website. That's our URL. Find over thirteen thousand different articles on there written over the years, and uh, some of those will be written by myself. We also have a creation magazine, that's a family magazine, so I'll be uh, writing articles for those as well. And we also have a peer review journal that uh, we write for. So I've written uh, a number of articles on. What I would consider my expertise, which is uh, ancient Egypt and uh, looking at the creation and flood ideas that are in ancient Egypt. So, particularly looking for evidence of Noah and his sons and the flood and Adam and Eve in ancient Egypt. So, yeah, that keeps us very busy. And uh, hopefully, when the pandemic is behind us next year, we'll be. Uh, busy going into churches all across the country as well. And I've also got a tour lined up in Egypt. This is a, a couple of cruises up and down the Nile River and uh, CMI are taking ooh, uh, three back-to-back tours. So we'll be going on a Nile River boat and uh, up to 100 people are booked on each one. So hopefully that will go ahead next year. It was re- it was scheduled for September of this year, but it had to be cancelled because of uh, 
cope with the pandemic. So God willing, it will be going ahead next year. And then we'll be looking at ancient Egypt in terms of the Old Testament and the Bible and uh, how it all connects up to the, uh, the history in the Bible. So yeah, that's a little bit about what I do for Creation Ministries. It's never a dull moment, never boring, always something interesting to get my head around. What are some of the ways that archaeology and history support biblical Christianity? Well, I would say nothing in archaeology has disproved anything in the Bible. And positively, there have been many, many names of biblical kings that have been discovered in archaeology. There's, there's something like uh, over 53 people from the Bible their names that are mentioned in the Bible that have been confirmed by archaeology. So that's, that's uh, virtually all of the, um, the kings um, in the divided monarchy period. And also uh, the, the name of David himself has been discovered on uh, a stella. So it's a piece of rock, basically, with, with the name of the house of David on. So um, there's lots of evidence in archaeology that demonstrates the Bible's real history. So obviously we have uh, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and uh, things like uh, New Testament archaeology as well. For, for a long time, archaeologists said that uh, the Gabbatha, which was the, the meeting place of, of Herod, where Jesus was brought before Herod, was described in Luke, I think, uh, never existed. That's, that's always a, a dangerous position in archaeology to say that because something's not been discovered, it doesn't exist. So uh, usually a little while later, some archaeologists will actually dig it up. Mm. Uh, so that was an example of something that uh, biblical archaeologists said, oh, it doesn't exist, and then they did find it. And, uh, so there's, there's lots of examples of biblical scholars saying, you know, you can't trust the Bible because X and Y hasn't been discovered, and then... A few years later, archaeologists go and discover exactly what uh, they said is, is not there. So, uh, obviously, these things have to survive in the ground. And when we consider that uh, Israel itself has been destroyed by you know, the Babylonian army and then the, the Roman Empire in 70 AD, uh, raised to the ground. It's amazing that anything comes out of the ground unscathed. But, um, yeah, there is there is evidence in archaeology that backs up the Bible. It's certainly nothing ever been discovered that contradicts the Bible in terms of archaeological discoveries. So what's one thing you would say to someone who has, you know, been shown all the evidence and you know, sees all the scriptures lining up and still stubbornly refuses to believe? Well, it's, it's a spiritual issue, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, so someone has got to have their eyes open to God's word, and that is only a move of the Holy Spirit. So uh, you can take people to facts, but you can't make them think. You know, at the end of the day, by day, are people willing to submit submit themselves to the Creator? And it's, it's a spiritual issue. They they don't want to be accountable to a God who judges their sin yeah. and a God who 
you know, if, if he's created them, then he, then he makes the rules, uh, he's in charge, and it means that I can't live my life the way I'd like to live. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's a sin issue mm. at the end of the day. So people's worldviews need to be conquered. Mm. And the ultimate conqueror in that sense is the Holy Spirit himself. Mm. But people use things like archaeology and geology as an excuse not to believe. Mm. You know, the scriptures tell us that man is without excuse when he looks at creation. Mm. Um, we see the evidence of the creator because of uh, Darwin's theory of evolution that uh, robbed God of his glory in terms of the one who is the creator. Mm. So that, that secular thinking drains through every area of, of um, media and our education system. So we're trained to be secular thinkers, we're trained against belief, we're trained against faith in our secular culture. So that's where we uh, make all these DVDs and books and creation magazines to, to get into people's hands this kind of evidence. Hmm. I think it's a good point to think about it, not in terms of, you know, just um, archaeology, it's also a spiritual thing, it's also a heart thing, it's also a personal personal thing that's going on, so... Yeah, for someone to have a change of worldview, is, it involves their intellect as well as their heart, their emotions, their, their spiritual uh, makeup, so it's, it's a huge change for someone to actually accept God is, is real, mm. the Bible is God's word, yeah. um, and that, that is a, a process for some people, it might take years, uh, you know, their, their intellect to be changed, their heart to be changed, but at the end of the day, it's, it's the Holy Spirit that is working on the person, mm. um, taking away the blindness from their eyes, mm. blocking that, that blindness is is the, the lie from the secular culture mm. you know, that says, you know, you can't trust God's word, God doesn't exist, he's not the creator. Mm. The secular culture has robbed God of, of his glory in, in creation. The fact is that God can save people. Yeah, absolutely. It's a miracle at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. So God can do this, and he does all mm. the time. God does save people. Yeah. People coming into the church, mm. minds are being changed, hearts and minds are being changed all the time. Yeah, that's it. The power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. But, uh, there is definite need in the church for apologetics mm. and to defend the gospel, to defend the Bible. Mm. So when we use that term apologetics, it's, it comes from that Greek term uh, apologos, um, to make a, a reasoned logical defense for the gospel mm. that's what we're challenged to do as christians is to yeah. give a reasoned account yeah. uh, as for the hope that is within mm. and uh, in our secular age in our secular culture mm. apologetics takes on a, a particularly uh, important role in the church and i would say that if a church ministry doesn't have apologetics as part of its ministry then it is failing in its role in evangelism mm -hmm. and reaching out, that it 
needs to answer skeptical questions that we get asked all the time in our mm. culture. Yeah. You know, these are the questions that our unsafe loved ones have. Yeah. You don't believe the Bible, do you? Science has disproved the Bible, mm. you can't trust the Bible. Yeah. So we have to start with that. In fact, Paul mm. himself, <clears throat> if you think of his, um, his evangelistic model, was to go to uh, Mars Hill and speak to uh, the Greek philosophers, <laughs> and he didn't try to persuade them that straight away that Jesus had risen from the dead. Um, they would just laugh at him. He actually introduced them to the God of creation, say, you know, the God who created all things and made of one blood a man to live in the world. Mm. Uh, this is the same God that I'm introducing to you as the unknown God. Mm. And, uh, he started where they were with their, with their philosophers and their poets, saying, you know, you're, we're all living and breathing in him. He started where the, the Greek philosophers were and then took them to the God of creation, laid the foundations, demonstrated them you know, why we need saving, who God is, what sin is, once that foundation is laid, then they can actually understand the gospel. So for many people, if you preach the gospel to them, they don't have that Judeo-Christian uh, foundation in their thinking. Mm. So they can't even understand the gospel. Mm. There's no actual um, connection there intellectually. Mm. You know, who is God? Why am I a sinner? Mm. What is sin? Mm. There's, there's, none of that there in the, the foundation still they're thinking yeah. so that has to be built again and uh, you do that through apologetic ministry and teaching so you have to teach people uh, you know who god is why they need god why they need salvation yeah. part of that is found in genesis you know god made everything perfect to begin with but we're not as a result of millions of years of evolution and death and bloodshed uh, you know, death came as a result of sin, and that is why we need salvation. That's mm. why we need to be rescued from death. And death in the Bible is the last enemy that will be destroyed. You're listening to Testimonies of Truth. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter to stay connected, or send us an email at testimoniesoftruth.content at gmail.com. Also, check out our website, which is testimoniesoftruth.podbean.com, where you can listen to other episodes and find out more about the show. So, why do you think this is important for Christian um, evangelism and mission work? It's important for evangelism. So people have confidence in the Bible, you know, science, the, the popular cultural thinking is that science has disproved the Bible. And then archaeology has disproved the history of the Bible. So that's not the case. You know, when we consider that all of the founding fathers of science were themselves Bible-believing Christians. <laughs> like Kepler and Newton and Faraday and Jules and you know, I could list off dozens and dozens of different scientists of all the, the major branches of science. They were all Bible-believing Christians. They all believed in the God of the Bible. They all believed in creation. Uh, most of them believed in a young earth. And uh, archaeology 
Biblical archaeology itself was, was founded by Christians going out to the Middle East, Israel, Egypt, with Bible in one hand and a trowel in the other, and looking for evidence of the Bible. So uh, it's all about the world views at the end of the day, because um, often you, you pull something out of the ground, it might be the foundations to a building. And if it doesn't have text on it, like the Egyptians, because they, they love to cover their buildings and walls in hieroglyphic text, but the, the Jews didn't do that. They just built you know, solid stone buildings, and it's got to be interpreted. And so if you have a worldview that says, you know, the history of the Bible isn't to be trusted, then you'll come with that worldview, and you'd interpret that, that building in terms of, another date for instance um, but you know when people have the scales removed from their eyes concerning the, the the trustworthiness of the bible then they can start to put their trust in it so you know, people will consider if you can't trust the history in the bible why should you trust its future if you can't trust uh, the theology based on that history why should you trust its moral claims so this is what has happened in education and the media. There's been a battle of the world views for the authority of the Bible. Is, is man's authority and man's word to be trusted or is God's word and God's authority to be trusted? So that's, that's the battle that goes on in education and the media. So that's, that's, why, uh, that's why we exist as a an organization creation ministries is to get this kind of information into people's hands and demonstrates that science hasn't disproved the bible archaeology hasn't disproved the bible at all that's why we have scientists who work for us showing evidence from science and genetics paleontology and geology and all the different branches of science that uh, back up the bible so when we consider that the Bible gives us the, the, the historical framework through which we understand the nature of reality and creation and the origins of things, yeah. and we, then we come to things like rocks and fossils and archaeological remains with that framework and we, we interpret it that way. But a secular mind will interpret all of that data differently and come to different conclusions. So. Uh, if we can dispel this myth that science and archaeology has disproved the Bible, then people will accept the moral claims and the salvation claims of Scripture as well. So at the end of the day, it's a work of the Holy Spirit that does this in the hearts and minds of men and women who hear the Gospel. What are some of the ways that archaeology has been used in the past to, I guess, uh, help spread the gospel? That's an interesting question, I suppose, because really archaeology has <clears throat> gone off on its own track as its own secular science. So I suppose when archaeology first started off as a discipline in the 18th century, Victorian gentlemen would go off to Egypt and Israel looking for evidence of the Bible um, and possibly poor foundations were, were laid for that. And so in academia, 
later on, um, that's rejected. Um, so there's, you might have heard of the, the term higher critics. So they were the German scholars who tried to reinterpret Genesis in terms of myth. So when uh, Israel was in Exodus um, in Babylon, Genesis was made up by Jewish scribes uh, while they were in Exodus and Babylon. So Moses never existed, and you have to reinterpret uh, all of Genesis in terms of evolutionary history. And so that, that kind of thinking entered into archaeology. And so the idea of an Exodus from Egypt never happened. Therefore, the, the walls of Jericho falling down didn't happen because of uh, Joshua's conquests. And so because of things like carbon dating, that was carbon dated you know, a couple of hundred years before uh, Israel was supposed to have uh, come into the Levant and Israel. And so I suppose the battle for biblical archaeology has been fought very hard. Um, I think there is good promise for the resurgence of biblical archaeology. So evidence for ancient Israel in Egypt. Um, so we have Israel uh, in Goshen before the, the, the ten plagues. And so we have evidence of uh, Semitic peoples right there in that area of the uh, northeastern Nile Delta. So it's a, it's a place called Avaris, and they have found uh, remains of Semitic peoples. But uh, because of this difficulties with chronology in, in secular archaeology, they don't want to actually admit that these could be the Jews of the Bible before the Exodus. And so there's stacks of evidence there, but because there's this chronological difficulty, they, they don't want to interpret that data in terms of what the Bible's history is. I, I don't know if this is, this is kind of new thinking for you, but there is so much evidence for the early chapters of the Bible in archaeology. Yeah. But it's, the difficulty is that chronology is tied to Egyptian chronology. Um, when I did my master's in Egyptology and also my master's in Biblical Studies, I studied under a guy called Robert Moorcott at Exeter University. And uh, he's been at the forefront of a push for realigning Egyptian chronology with all of the chronologies of the ancient Near East. So uh, Greeks, Sumerians, Babylonians, number of different civilizations around the, around the Levant and the Middle East uh, whose, whose chronologies don't line up with Egyptian chronology. When all these chronologies are lining up, it lines up with biblical chronology as well. Um, so if, if you want to read a, a good article on this on creation.com, it's called Framing the Issues. Yep. One of our writers, uh, CEO of uh, our American office, Gary Bates, he, he goes through all the, the different points, basically shows that uh, Egyptian chronology needs to be shortened 
so it's probably overextended right at the beginning. So Chapel Menetho, he was a, an Egyptian priest and he wrote a history, he's probably the first Egyptian to ever write a, a what, we, what we would think of as a true history of uh, the Egyptian civilization. And he probably wanted to make Egyptian history more important than, say, the Greeks. So the way he did that was to extend Egyptian history. And he made some fundamental errors in terms of which pharaoh's reign could currently other pharaohs reign consecutively. So he had a number of pharaohs that reigned one after another, where in fact modern archaeology would have them reigning at the same time. So there would have been pharaohs in the north or pharaohs in the south. Yeah. And his extended chronology has sort of become the, the ruling paradigm in archaeology and Egyptian, Egyptology. And so this extended Egyptian chronology makes the pyramids at the time of the flood in, in biblical history. And so you have Egyptian history going before the flood. Obviously, that's impossible from a, a biblical position. But all of that can be concertinaed, and especially when we consider that the pyramids are based, their dating is based on Minetho and uh, carbon dating. So there's, there's lots of problems with carbon dating the further you go back in history. Talk about carbon dating if you want it, it's a bit complex. But um, basically the chronology of ancient Egypt needs to be shortened. And uh, when you do that, it starts to line up with all the chronologies of the ancient Near East and the Levant. And it also lines up with, with biblical history as well. So uh, David Roll is another one that's been working in these areas of chronology. We, can't really say that anybody's got the definitive answer yet. There's a lot of work still to be done. But, uh, we start with the, the foundation of God's word is, is history and trustworthy. If you start from there, then uh, there's no contradictions with Egyptian chronology or archaeology. So, um, so the archaeology of the Levant and Israel is based on chronology of Egypt. So a lot of the archaeological dating is based on current understandings of Egyptian chronology. So when an archaeologist would go to dig, he will dig down, he will count all layers, he will look at the carbon dating, and he will date those layers according to uh, the Egyptian chronology and try and piece together the history of, of Israel according to that. So this is fraught with problems. Uh, carbon dating itself has got enormous problems in, in several periods of time. And as I said, the further you go back, the less reliable it becomes. Dalit, how important is the creation story in the Bible and how should we interpret the seven days? I would say it's uh, very important. It's, um, I mean, the Bible obviously gives us the, the history of the world from the very first age and uh, Jesus accepted that history and uh, the implications of that history so for instance when he was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees he spoke about marriage and uh, he took them right back to Genesis as history and he said have you not read 
he which made them in the beginning made them male and female. Uh, so he's upholding Genesis's history right there in the Gospels. So uh, Jesus is upholding uh, Genesis's real history, upholding Moses. So uh, that impinges on who Jesus is. So if, if Jesus is wrong about earth history, then uh, why should we trust him about earth's future? Some have said that maybe Jesus was just accommodating himself to uh, first century Jewish thinking. But, uh, you know, Jesus was very clear that you know, his teaching came from the Father. So he said in uh, John 12, I've not spoken myself, but the Father who sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And so Jesus upheld the testimony of Moses is true. Um, he also talked about the flood. Um, he mentioned that uh, as in the days of Noah, where so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. So Jesus treated uh, the Noah and the flood as literal history. Jesus treated uh, man being made in the image of God, male and female, right there at the beginning of creation, and uh, not at the end of millions and millions of years of evolutionary history. And it, it's right there also in, in the covenant with, uh, with Israel. So uh, in Exodus 31, you know, God himself speaks to Moses and said, uh, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, on the seventh day he rested, therefore how uh, the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath, and that, that was a central part of the, the covenant made with Israel. Yep. You know, God himself is saying what he did. So we have yep. the, the words of God himself in Exodus telling us what he did. And so if, if we try and reinterpret all of that, we're reinterpreting the words, the very plain words of God, himself given to Moses, we're yeah. reinterpreting the words of Jesus and also the Gospels that are built on the foundations of history, of Genesis history as well. Yeah, because I, I must admit I've heard, heard people say, you know, that subscribe to other theories that say, oh no, you know, they weren't literal days, they were just, you know, a thousand years because a thousand years is the day to the Lord and, and vice versa. And I personally think that's ridiculous, but where do you think that people get that notion and why? Well, they feel that science is this overwhelming authority. You know, you have theological truth and then you have yeah. scientific truth, which sort of trumps uh, theological truth. And so we, we have to reinterpret the Bible in terms of modern scientific thinking about the age of the earth. But, um, you know, when we try and do that, the whole of the the Bible has to be basically reinterpreted and edited. And so, uh, if you can't trust the, the plain words of the Bible, then really all of your ideas of biblical authority go out the window. And yeah, that's Jesus, right. Yeah, it impinges on the gospel itself. I mean, for instance, the Apostle Paul very clearly said that. Uh, you know, death came as a result of sin, but if evolution is true, then death has all, always been part of the natural order for millions and millions of years before Adam and Eve came on the scene to actually rebel against the Creator. So, uh, 
secular thinking puts the history and the Bible on its head. Um, exactly. Yeah. So uh, a, a lot of Christians think that the whole sort of creation evolution issue is a side issue, but it is actually a central issue to the gospel. Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose what you, because what you believe matters, absolutely. What have you found most um, interesting um, about the ancient history and archaeology of Egypt? Well, I think, I mean, the Egyptians themselves just demonstrated that they were incredibly uh, talented uh, architects. I mean, for instance, the, the, the pyramids themselves, you know, they go right back to the 5th dynasty, 4th dynasty, and, uh, you know, these are just marvels of engineering and architecture. It just, just demonstrates the, the fallacy of the idea that mankind was primitive thousands of years ago we've evolved from primitive ancestors so you know when you go back in archaeology it tells the story of the bible that man has always been made intelligent and that's from the ark and from babel uh, man went into all the earth and repopulated and took with him all that knowledge with him already developed so uh, you know we see high technology straight away in the archaeological records we don't see this yep. slow development and the evidence for slow development is, is very sketchy so it's based on you know, carbon dating and, and drawing out history but when it comes to civilizations boom there it is straight away fully developed yeah. languages as well so if you go further back in time you see very complex languages so, for instance, the Sumerian language, so imagine those, those cuneiform tablets, the little triangles. The, the language and the grammatical structure of the Sumerian language is very complex, um, far more complex than the English language. And so, in terms of the development of languages, it's actually gone downhill. Languages have become less complex. I mean, our vocabulary has grown, obviously, we've got more modern terminology to describe the world around us but when it comes to yeah. the, the actual grammatical structure of languages uh, they've actually become simpler so again evolution can't be proved there either so when we look in ancient history we just see evidence that's consistent with the history of the bible that brings us to an end of this episode of testimonies of truth Remember to follow us on Facebook or Twitter to stay connected, or send us an email at testimoniesoftruth.content at gmail.com. Also, check out our website, which is testimoniesoftruth.podbean.com, where you can listen to other episodes and find out more about the show.